Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's just worship God for a moment. Lord, we love you today. Oh, God, it's truly all our days are in your faithful hands. There's not a devil that can touch a hair of our head until you allow it. For, Lord, you know, God, you said our hair is even numbered. You know every one of them. You know about our end and our beginning. You know, Lord, every situation in our lives. We can praise the mighty name of Jesus who will lift our head above all the enemy everywhere that gives us overcoming power in this hour. We ask, Lord, your blessings today, your anointing upon us. As we read your word, Lord, you quicken it to our hearts. Lord, you bless those that are listening in all the way down in, in India, over into South Africa, those in, around the world, wherever they are, God, thou knowest. Father, I pray that you'll just minister to every soul, every heart, Lord. Speak to your children. May they realize you've never left them, that you're right there with them, that you're a God that is present for every situation. Heal your people, Lord, those that are sick. May they not fear. For you said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Lord, we know then, because your presence, we can go through anything. And we just pray, God, that you'll help us now as we go through life's journey. Give us overcoming power. Give us strength. Give us courage to face every enemy that comes our way. Lord, there are those that are facing battles in their health. There are those that's facing battles maybe financially, spiritual battles. Lord, you know every heart, every life. You know every situation. I pray, God, that you'll just deal with hearts and lives today. Speak to us now through the word, Lord. Make the word real to our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Thank you. We appreciate the Lord and his goodness to us. All that he's done for us. Amen. It was an old song that said, oh, stop and let me tell you what the good Lord's done for me. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, we um, are so thankful for what he's done and what he's doing. Amen. Bringing us in this service today, and I know that He's, you are here that he will speak to your heart. And we want to welcome the Steinkeys here today. It was so nice to have you, Brother Gary, Sister Barbara, Sandra. God bless you. Uh, each one of you that has gathered with us, uh, that has in the service today, may the Lord bless you in a very, very special way and, and speak to your heart. Those of you that's joining in with us by the way of internet, we pray that the Lord will bless you in your services there. We never mean to take um, away from what you have. We just want to edify and build up the body of Christ. We believe, um, you know, in assembling ourselves together and uh, even so much the more as we see that day approaching. And we like to see, we like to see people faithful to their post of duty everywhere. Amen. So we're not trying to take away from that. We're just trying to build up the body of Christ and encourage you in the Lord today. In a very special way. Amen. We're going to look in back to the book of Exodus this morning to the 23rd chapter and the 20th verse. 
We're going to be speaking today um, on guarded and protected by the angel. We're just carrying this a little further today and going over some different points here that I want to uh, make sure that the, the Holy Spirit has the opportunity to, to take that word and place it in your heart. And so um, Exodus 23, verse 20, and we'll probably read from this chapter again a little later in the sermon today, but it says, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice <clears throat> and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. Amen. God bless you. you can take your seats. <clears throat> Amen. God bless you, Brother Johnny. Love you, Brother Johnny. Amen. Amen. Appreciate every word of encouragement this morning. And that's what we're here to do. We were exhorted by the Apostle Paul to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. Amen. Because the time would come when they won't endure sound doctrine. Amen. But they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. But oh God, help us in this day to endure the sound doctrine of the word. Let it change our lives. Amen. God bless you. Last Sunday we were speaking on the angel leading the church and how the pillar of fire led the Old Testament church by the angel of his presence. We know that uh, in, as we have been through this, that he spoke to Moses in the burning bush. We also see in the Bible that he came to Daniel in a time where the Jews were returning to their homeland. When it was an hour for them to leave Babylon and return to the land of their inheritance. And the angel appeared to Daniel and said, I am now come to give thee skill and understanding, for thou art greatly beloved. Isn't it wonderful to be told you're greatly loved? Amen. The angel that led the, the book of Acts church, we know that we're going back to a book of Acts church. That's what we are. Another, another branch has come forth from the vine. And we will have to be then to be a book of Acts church, we'll have to be led by the pillar of fire. And so it was a pillar of fire that uh, filled the upper room and gave birth to 120 there. And it was a pillar of fire then that turned and anointed Peter as he gave to him the keys of the kingdom of salvation to the church. It would be the pillar of fire that gave faith to Peter and John at the gate called Beautiful and who said to the lame beggar, look on us. And it was that same pillar of fire that appeared in the jail cell and, and an angel walked out of it and smote Peter on the side and loosed him from his chains. It was the angel of God that appeared in the New Testament church to a man by the name of Cornelius. And he described the angel as a man who stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, and he said, what is it, Lord? He said, thy prayers and thine alms are come up as a memorial before God. God never forgets any righteous act. And he said, now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. And 
he shall tell you what you ought to do. So to be a Book of Acts church, we have to be a church that is led by the pillar of fire and filled with it. You see, the light of the Holy Ghost within you makes it easy for you to believe, to have faith, to claim God's promises. And the angel of the covenant, Brother Branham, said, you who have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost has got a witness that Jesus Christ lives and reigns, and it ought to be an easy thing for you to believe in divine healing. Amen. So again, you know, we, we find this all throughout the Bible, and to be a Bible church, to be a New Testament church, we have to be a church that is led by the pillar of fire, by the angel of the covenant. In Exodus chapter 40 and verse 36, we see uh, it gives specific details about how that this, uh, this pillar of fire would be a light by night and a cloud by day. And the Bible said that when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not until the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day and fire was on it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. I don't think God's a respecter of persons. I believe that if God is leading the church today, he's just as interested in us as he was then. Amen. And it ought to be even more powerful under the new covenant than it was under the old covenant. There they were to follow that pillar of fire. This was their instructions. The pillar of fire would lead them no matter which way it went. They were to be ready to go when it went. And, and the, the, but if we notice now that, and I want to just quote this here, it said the angel of the Lord was going before them, a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day, the angel of the covenant, the Christ, the Logos, before it was made flesh to dwell among us. And that was a sign of the Old Testament. They followed that pillar of fire wherever it went, they went. When it stopped, they stopped. When they built their camps under the pillar of fire and the priests watched for it, whenever it moved, they sounded the trumpet. And it was, if it was midnight or three o'clock in the morning or 12 o'clock noon, they all packed up and away they went. They followed the pillar of fire and they kept in the will of the Lord by doing so. Oh, you know, this has been the failure down through the seven ages. They would see the pillar of fire and they would see it move and then they would make a camp there and then didn't move as it moved. But you see, there were the dark ages sometimes where they didn't even see the pillar of fire, didn't even see it at all. They wasn't led by it. They wasn't acquainted with it. But there was a fellow one day by the name of Martin Luther that he saw the pillar of fire and he went on the first reformation and and he preached the just or the righteous shall live by faith. And that fire emboldened him to resist the unbelief of the age and to resist the Catholic church. And he nailed his 95th theses to the door of the church and said, salvation is by faith alone. And then he said, he taught the Bible is the only authority. And the priesthood, the, the priesthood is a priesthood for every believer. 
Amen. That every believer is a priest unto God. This is what the pillar of fire taught Luther. And he moved out of that. But, and there he began to, to operate under the leadership of the pillar of fire. The just shall live by faith. He was inspired by it. He was anointed by it. He was sent out by it. But it wasn't long until his followers would organize his church so tight until you could hardly tell them from the Catholics. And soon you had to be a Lutheran or you were nothing. And as Brother Branham commented about that, he said the pillar of fire won't hang over nothing like that. So away it went. And he said, and the pillar of fire moved away from the Lutheran church. Luther couldn't go because he had all his rituals and everything that he wrote up. And there was a little fellow by the name of John Wesley in England that saw it and away he went. And he had a revival that saved England. In the United States and, and the, the English known world in that day under the Wesley revival. Wesley and George Whitfield and Asbury and many of them had that great revival. And their revival inspired new songs. As they sung, sung the songs of their deliverance. Let me, let me just take you back for a moment. Let's just go back to the, the year 1880. 140 years ago, Sister Lana shared a link to this article, and some of you may have read it, but I want to share some of it this morning. Uh, it was in August of 1880 that Buddy Robinson would be at one of those revival meetings. Now, if you remember in our family camp that we had right over here in the edge of Texas, they had a big marble um, stone there that listed all the great speakers of the past. And they reminisced, some of them reminisced to, to us, we used to have meetings like you're having. We used to see the Holy Spirit move on people like you see it move. And it made you wonder, well, what did they used to have? Because today the Methodist church is a far cry from what that, that they, they must have been back there. They're far cry from any kind of meetings like we got where you shout and praise God and sing the songs of Zion. And there's a heartfelt religion, amen, that life that changes lives, amen, where the Holy Spirit can move. But Buddy Robinson would be at that one of those meetings. That revival was held somewhere near Dallas, Texas, where a rich uh, ranchman had been converted and allowed them to meet on his place. The word of the revival meetings had spread by circuit rider preachers. And people came in from covered wagons uh, from miles around. And the, the ranch owner had told them to kill as many of his fat cattle to provide food for them daily. And, and perhaps as many as 300 people had gathered and put up a brush arbor as a shelter to worship under. And buddy, he, these are from his words. He said, deep conviction had settled on me on the second day. He said, I, I felt that I was lost. You know, it, it's amazing that people can come to a church today and never realize they need Jesus. Never a, a spirit of conviction that, to, that tells them they have need of God. And may it never be an evening like tabernacle that there's not the Holy Spirit moving among us that deals with the hearts of men and women that tells them you need Jesus. Amen. 
man. In fact, no matter, I don't care who you are, how great a saint you are, you need him. We everyone need that fresh and up-to-date experience with God. And that's what we ought to come for every service. One day he said to preachers, I asked the workers to go down in the crowd and find a sinner and pray for him wherever they found him. And he said, a beautiful old mother with her beautiful white hair and the finest face I ever saw came through the crowd. And she looked like you could take a, a rag and wipe heaven off of her face. And she, fell, she found me on the back bench and there was no need of her saying, young man, are you a sinner? She looked at me and no, no Christian ever looked like I did. She went down before me on her knees and put her hands up on my bare knees where they were sticking through my dirty overalls and prayed for me as loud as she could. And the devil got up and said, if you don't give her a cussing, she'll never quit. But it seemed the Lord said, don't you cuss this woman, she's praying for your lost soul. Then, it's, it, then, then it seemed to me that the devil said, if you don't get up and run, they're going to get you. But beloved God had come on the scene. I tried to get up, but I couldn't get up off that bench. It seemed that I was glued to it while the devil fairly hissed in my face. And that beautiful mother prayed louder and louder and finally began to shout and rising to her knees began to beat me on the head until I thought I was going to sink to the ground and to the pit. And that old mother shouted as long as she wanted to and finally arose and looked like she was half glorified. She went back toward the platform in the mourner's bench, but she did not say when she left, young man, come to the altar tonight. No, beloved, she didn't ask me to come to that altar. That woman was acquainted with God and knew I was coming to the mourner's bench. And when the service was over, I finally pulled loose from that bench and rose, but the arrow of conviction had already went through my poor heart until I couldn't pull it out. In my agony, I walked the grounds that afternoon too sick to eat my dinner. I wished for the sun to go down. I thought if the sun would go down, it would get dark and no one could see how mean I was. And when the sun went down, my awful heart was not only dark on the outside, but it was black on the inside. And then I felt I would be a dead man before daylight, but praise the Lord, they lit up the old torch lights of the ground and the congregation began to sing, oh, who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. So I marched to that little campground and I was taking a back seat and I noticed a little redhead girl that I'd met somewhere on the dance floor. And the devil always goes to the meeting. And he said, he came to me and said, if you get up a courtship with that little girl on the back bench, you'll get easy. But beloved, a courtship never eases a guilty conscience and a lost soul. And while I tried to talk to her, I felt like a lost man. The preacher who preached that night was a tall man with, with a long beard and, and a hair and a little inclined to baldness and wore a long coat. And that's the one that preached up to that night. But the man who preached that night, he said, did not feel the bill as far as I was concerned. He wore a very short coat. His beard was short. His hair stood straight up on his head. He looked dangerous. And I thought, he can't preach a lick and would be a failure. But later I learned he was one of the greatest preachers west of the Mississippi River. He preached to the lost world without a savior. 
where the devil was boss and general manager and where people were under the awful dominion of the devil. He pictured Christ laying outside his robes of royal splendor, putting on humanity and being born in a manger. Then he pictured Christ on the cross because he loved the lost and dying world. He made the crucifixion of Christ so real that it seemed to me he had, he had died a week ago somewhere here in Texas. And when he made his altar call, the response was so general that to all appearance, the whole crowd would finally land at the altar. They went whooping and yelling, screaming and praying as loud as they could. Two or three preachers were helping men to the altar. There were so many, they turned the benches around to make a big pen. And they actually filled it full. And I stood back and wept. I wanted to go to the altar, but I knew nothing of church. Preachers, meetings, or salvation. I didn't know how to start or what to do. But thank God, he will always help a boy that wants to do right. An old preacher with a long white beard and beautiful white locks came down the aisle and said, is there a young man back here that wants to meet me in heaven? And they said, if so, come give me your hand and I'll pray that God may save you. I stood and I wept. And one moment I said, if Jesus loved me well enough to die for me, I will love him well enough to fight for him. While in the next breath, I said, I will shoot the next man that talks about Jesus Christ. My gun, which was loaded, was in my pocket. The old preacher pleaded, and I started saying, I, I can do that much. I can at least give him my hand. When I reached him, I was crying as loud as I could. He grabbed my hand. He missed it. He took me by the arm. He gave it a shake, and when he turned me loose, I started down the aisle toward the mourner's bench. I didn't go very far until the devil stood before me and said, if you go to that mourner's bench, the preacher will see your old ragged, your old ragged breeches and make fun of you. Well, he couldn't stop me with that. And he said, well, they'll see your old pistol and that'll get you in trouble. But thank God he didn't stop me at that. But I went down the aisle. The old pistol felt as big as a mule. And the old deck of cards in my pocket was as big as a bale of cotton. And I would get on my right foot. I thought I was going to get right in the pit and I would stagger. Then I'd get on my left foot. And that day, deck of cards weighed as much as a bale of cotton. I know today what King David said when he said, they will reel to and fro and will stagger like a drunk man and be at their wit's end. And when I reached the altar, somebody said, fix a seat for this young man. He's deeply struck. Thank God that man was a philosopher. The only mistake he made was not that I was able to sit in a rocking chair because my hide was so full of gospel bullets that I was just about all in. I fell down on that mourner's bench and right there, somebody got me by the heels and straightened me out. Right there, I caught the devil in a lie. He told me when I started down the aisle, the people would see my old ragged breeches and make fun of me. To my glad surprise, every preacher knelt around me as I prayed and screamed as loud as I could and, and for God to have mercy on me and save my life soul. My shrieks and wails seemed to touch the heart of every preacher there as they knelt around me with their faces turned toward heaven and their hands in the air. I never heard men pray like that before. It was a life and death struggle. A poor soul was right on the borderland of death and destruction, but God's mercy had reached my case. And while we were praying together, the bottom dropped out of heaven and my soul was flooded with light. 
and joy until the literal waves of glory rolled up and down my soul. I don't know how I got up, but bless God, I know I got up because I'm up now. And when I did get on my feet, People look like angels. They appeared to be robed in white. It was as light as, I, as, it, as if it had been at the noon hour of the day, but it was at 11 o'clock at night. This was Wednesday, August 11th, 1880. How well I remember that light. It'll stay with me forever. No doubt the reader has heard the little song, How Well I Remember in Sorrow's Dark Night When the Lamp of His Word Shed Its Beautiful Light. More grace he hath given and the burdens removed and over and over his goodness is proved. And shall I turn back to the world? Oh, no, not I, not I. He said, I believe that getting religion is the finest thing in the known world. After I hopped and skipped and jumped and shouted in the midnight, I would jump the mourner's bench from one side to the other all the time telling people I had got religion. Well, thank God I got religion, sure enough. And it seemed like religion had got me. After shouting until about midnight, I went down to the ravine, threw my revolver away. I kindled a little chunk fire and burnt my deck of cards. And then I crawled under an ox wagon, lay down on the bare ground and placed my hat on a chunk for a pillow. I did not go to sleep, for sleep had left the country. I laid there and laughed like a boy at a circus. I was almost tickled to death. Every burden was gone. My guilt was gone. All sorrow and sadness was gone. I, I forgot that I lived in poverty. I thought I was dressed like the angels. And while my heart was turning somersault, I was laughing like a boy at a circus. I was one boy that kept company with his religion the very first night that he got it. I felt that night was as though I would never be sick, sad, lonesome, hungry, or in trouble. It seemed that heaven was only three feet away. During that night, Jesus came under the wagon and called me to preach. I could see his beautiful face with a crown of thorns on his brow. I could see the sweat and the blood mingled on his face and the old purple robe over his shoulders. He was so real to me. I'll never forget my first meeting with Jesus. He told me he wanted me to preach the gospel while I told him I would go. I had no idea what that meant to be a God-called minister or preacher of the gospel. But after 47 years of preaching almost day and night, living a lonely life, I sometimes spend it only a week at home during the whole year. I've learned that when God calls a man to preach, God really has to do something for him. And the next morning as day was breaking, I crawled out from under the ox wagon. I went on to the campground. I watched the sun rise in all its grandeur and glory. The heavens were lit, lighted up. I would look one direction and it would appear to be like a mountain of oranges. In another direction, like a ton of strawberries. I'd look at another direction, it was like a ton of ice cream. It seemed to me the angels were having strawberries and ice cream for breakfast. I looked and, 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 and saw a, a big flock of clouds in another direction. It had the appearance of a great flock of sheep with their wool on fire. And just about the time heaven came down on earth and I was so blessed that soon I was leaping up and down and clapping my hands and praising God as loud as I could shout. 
About that time, a man come along and said, are you going to go up to the testimony meeting this morning? I said, yes, sir, I'm going up. I had never been to a testimony meeting. In fact, I'd never heard one. I walked up to the big arbor. I wondered what kind of a meeting it would be. If it was good as the one we had last night, it would be great. And when we got up to the arbor, the man took the big ox horn and blew it until it sounded like a bugle. The ox horn, instead of, they used it instead of a bell to call the people to the tabernacle. At the sound of the horn, the people came from every direction. They came out of their, their tents and wagons until there were people all over the campground and, and all over the camp shed. And a, and a man read a few verses of scripture and they sang and they prayed. And after the meeting, that the meeting was open for testimonies. I wondered what in the world was it going to be like? A man rose and began to praise God, testify of the saving grace. While he testified, my heart was leaping for joy. But when, another, when, but when he sat down, another man beat me up. And, and he said, a big tall man with a black beard and, and long black hair with a big woolen shirt and overalls and high heel boots stood in the presence of that crowd. His frame trembled and he said, oh, brother, I've been all over these prairies for 20 years as a ranchman and I have committed all the sins known to a ranchman. When I heard of this meeting last night about dark, it made me mad. I sat on my horse and rode in last night. I came here to whip every preacher on the grounds and run everybody off. But when I arrived here last night at a late hour, I beheld one of the strangest sights of my life. There would be a crowd over on one side singing and a crowd on another side shouting. Their hands were up, their hair was hanging down their backs, their faces looked like angels. And over in another place, there'd be a crowd down on their knees praying. And somebody would raise up then and start shouting. And I thought, well, I won't whip anybody until they quit and quiet down. But instead of shop stopping, they became worse. Finally, just to see what they were doing, I made my way to the crowd to a bench right in the middle of the arbor where I could see everything that was going on. The great multitude seemingly did not know I was there, but while they prayed and sang and shouted, my whole life stood before me. I saw I was a lost man. I knew that if I would die, I would go to hell. The burden became so awful that I fell off the bench. I got down between two benches where two or three men gathered around me and they began to sing and pray with me and for me. And this morning, just before day, God saved my soul. And he said, but he said, I couldn't stand it no longer. I had to do something or die or simply just blow up. And I jumped just as high as I could. I screamed as loud as I could. And I began to jump up and down as fast as I could. It looked like I would die with religious satisfaction. Yeah. Amen. This was a Methodist meeting. And the Lord came to my relief and showed me a big post under the old arbor. And I threw both arms around that post and started up just like a gray squirrel. And I climbed until I got my head, got to, to the brush, and I could go no further. And while I was sticking there on the side of the post, God poured out his spirit on the people. I believe the Holy Spirit filled that multitude of 150 to 300 people. They were filled with the Holy Ghost like they were on the day of Pentecost. There were hundreds of people leaping in the air, clapping their hands, praising God at the top of the voice. The women literally danced and shouted like they were angels. Men ran into others' arms and wrestled like 
athletes. Waves of glory swept over them and it took life. Looked like uh, they were immense in glory. That was the Methodist church back then. How far they have fallen from grace. You see, the pillar of fire was there. They were reacting. Amen. To the very power of God that was in their midst. Amen. This did not just produce emotion. This changed their lives. It made a preacher out of out of a card playing, dancing Buddy Robinson and made a son of God out of him. Where he traveled around the country. Amen. Preaching the gospel for years and years and years. Because he met God in a pillar of fire. Amen. But you know, the first thing you know, Methodists got so organized until after a few rounds, they got just as cold and starchy as they could be. You see, the pillar of fire, and I'm quoting Brother Branham here, he said the pillar of fire will not hang over that. I'll tell you what, if you're sitting here cold and informal, come on, and starchy, the pillar of fire ain't gonna hang over you. It's looking for somebody that will respond to the word. Amen. That believes it's the truth that allows it to change their lives. Amen. And he said, the pillar of fire won't hang over that. That's the way it went. And he said, a bunch of people called the Pentecostals seen it. And away they went after it. But then they built him a church under it. But the sad part, the Pentecostals are so organized that the pillar of fire is moving out again and they can't go. That's right, the pillar of fire is moving anyhow. God said it would. They had the sign of the pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day that led them. And he's here in the God's house where that same pillar of fire is in the house right here now because it was the angel of the covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ. When he died, he rose again, he lives forevermore. He promised the things he did, we do also and greater for he went to the Father, amen. So I wonder why today, now wait a minute, I wonder why the pillar of fire isn't hanging over some of these message morgues today. Backslidden preachers, men who have longed for God, even how to pray. Churches that don't even know how to pray people through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Maybe the real reason is because they never got the Holy Ghost themselves. Amen. They, you, they must meet that pillar of fire and then, then be sent by the angel of God, the Holy Ghost. It must be our drive. It must be our passion. Amen. Amen. It's a shame when preachers have nothing to preach. Are you with me now? Yes. They have nothing to preach but to make fun of and ridicule and blaspheme anointed prayers. I heard of one ridiculing people who pray with a passion. And, you know, just recently, saying Brother Branham only prayed softly. And then he made fun saying, is God deaf? Does God need a hearing aid? That's blasphemy. To make fun of, to mock, to ridicule. Amen. Yeah, it's sad when a minister tells his church, basically, don't get anointed when you pray. There's, there were many ways Brother Branham prayed. We know that. He prayed softly, but he didn't always pray quietly. Right. Amen. He didn't, always, he didn't always lift his voice, but many times he did, and especially at the climax of a meeting. You don't have to listen to too many tapes and find that out. 
Amen. But just, let's, let me just go to the words of Jesus. Hebrews 5 and 7. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplication with loud crying or strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. So, so again, this was Jesus. Amen. He offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries. And he was heard in that which he feared. I say, if the angels shake the post of the temples, come on now, that ought to be good enough for you and good enough for me. Amen. And Isaiah 6, he said, and they cried one to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Lord of hosts and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. Amen. This wasn't singing in a high pitch that broke a crystal glass. This this was shouting, crying, holy, holy, holy. Amen. That wasn't crying, holy. Howling. They wasn't whispered. They cried until the, the post of the temple moved. It ought to be the same way in the house of God where there is some fervency, where there's some passion, where there's a drive. If the, if the Methodists could do that, come on. What about a born again Holy Ghost field? Hope and life. Amen. We got even more to shout about than they have. Hallelujah. You say, but Brother Tim, the seals have been opened to me. The, 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 the revelation. We just sit there studiously and try to absorb. Let me tell you, that's not what they did in heaven when it was open. Amen. We, the Bible said, and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and beasts and elders and number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And I'll tell you, if you've seen the seals open, hallelujah, if you saw your name in the book, if you saw the mysteries have revealed, if you see where you are in this last day, it'll make you shout too. It'll make you rejoice also. Hallelujah. Amen. Why, even the souls under the altar prayed with a passion and a loud voice. And they were so located to the throne that they could hear the answer coming back. And the Bible said, and they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those that dwell on the earth? You see, there, you see how we get, we, we done got to the place we're so formal. We, 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 don't want, we don't want any shouting. We don't want any rejoicing. We, we don't want any, any kind of a, emotion. You know, the people shouldn't get emotional today. You know, and, and Brother Timothy just recently preached on the dangers of formalism and, and, a, and another pastor. Can you imagine these pastors? Had backslidden as can be, had to write a blog defending his formalism because his church is dead. 
and as dry as last year's bird nest. I want to say, why defend your formalism? Just repent. Amen. Let me say it this way. If you're not on fire, if there's no passion, if there's no drive, if there's no joy flowing like a river, your formal and your wells are stopped up. It's time to unstop the wells. Let the blessings flow. Let the joy come out. Amen. Well, they say it's not all in emotion, Brother Tim. That may be right, but God hates an emotionless religion. Amen. And in time evangelism, Brother Bradham said, and and he said the scientific theory of the modern so-called religious groups has tried to prove that this blessed thing that we have called the Holy Spirit is only emotion. It just don't stand up to their, according to their scientific theory. Well, I'd just like to ask them this. What makes them change? What makes the drunkard stop drinking? What makes the prostitute cease her evil life? What makes the cancer and the diseases depart from the people? And the deaf and the dumb and the blind and the dead to raise up. Explain that. If there is that emotion, it has emotion with it. Certainly, anything that's alive has emotion. And anything that don't have emotion is dead. Excuse the expression. But I think we ought to bury some of this emotionless religion. Amen. Because it's dead. It has no emotion in it. Any religion that has no emotion in it should be buried. Uh-huh. Because it is emotional. Amen. Jesus, when he entered the city and the, and the children of them, uh, all his friends crying, Hosanna to him, to him that cometh in the name of the Lord. Those religionists of that day couldn't stand it. It was too emotional. Said if, he, if they hold their peace, the rocks will immediately cry out. Amen. Something must cry out because life is there. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Brother Tim, but you know, we're, we're, we're balanced. You know, we, we're, we're not really over here fervent and, and on fire like that. And we're, really, and we're really not real cold. You know, we get an amen once in a while. And, you know, somebody, you know, has an inspired song and we raise our hand. So we're balanced, Brother Tim. No, that's called lukewarm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Listen, Brother Branham said, listen what he said. We're now seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Sitting in there, a great seat that's already fired up, been raised from the dead. We're a part of it. If you're part of that bride, you are, because the bride's a part of the groom, you know. And so we find out the same thing. She'll do exactly what's predicted for her to do in this day. She won't be a Laodicea, not by no means a lukewarm. She'll be on fire for God. She'll be moving in the spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, here's what he said about your formalism. He said, now, this is door to door. Door of the door in 57. He said, now, that certainly fits the situation today of the modern church, the Pentecostal church today, just lukewarm condition, neither cold nor hot. It would be better if we would either be back in their old denominational state status or be up in the realms of the blessings of God 
than to sit in a lukewarm condition as we are now. The Lord would appreciate us much more if we would do it. God would rather you either be cold or hot, not in between. Not in between, come on. Cold or hot, that's what God wants. Amen. He said he, God would appreciate you even more just going on back to your old denominational state or status. Or be up here, he said, in the realms of the blessing of God than to sit in a lukewarm condition. I say, God, don't let me be lukewarm, whatever. Amen. And I don't want to be cold either. Amen. Let me be on fire. Amen. Let the fire of God burn hot within the soul of man. Now this angel leading Israel, it looked like he had led them into a trap. We were there last Sunday. The sea was in front of them, the mountain on either side, and now Pharaoh's army was coming in behind. But this was only to bring Israel in the place where they could speak. Is somebody with me now? This This was the whole purpose of it. It was bringing Israel to a place were that they had to speak. Remember, why Christ out unto me? Speak and go forward. Is that right? You see, the evil age that we're in, why are we here right now? God is bringing us into a place where we are forced. Can't go back. Pharaoh's army, they can't go this way. Can't go that way. And we got a Red Sea in front of us. Amen. We, we're, we're surrounded. So God has brought us to this place for us to speak. Speak the revelation of faith that came from that pillar of fire. Amen. Go forward. Amen. Quit crying to me. Speak. Speak and lift up that rod. Look at Exodus 14, 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speak to the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift up thy rod and stretch for out thy hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Amen. So look where he brings them to them. Why are you crying? Why are you moaning? How come you're moaning? That, 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 that even the Republicans are worse liberals than you can imagine. Can you, can you imagine this, this guy running, Bruce Jenner, going to run for, you know, calls himself a woman now, but he's not a woman, he's a man. But he don't know what he is. Mixed up. Going to run for, for, for the governor of the state of California as a, as a conservative, as a, as a Republican. Can you imagine that being conservative? That is how far they have fallen. They don't even know what the word conservative is. I'm sorry I make some people mad, but I'm going to go down this line anyhow. But you know, we got all these women governors and William, women mayors, and, and they're all Republicans, and we're, we're conservative, and, and, and all. they're not conservative. They would be conservative. They'd be at home preparing a meal for their family, being a mother in the house. 
what conservatism would do for you. Amen. That, that's what Bible conservative is. Amen. But anyway, oh, we, we're conservative. We got conservative values. They have no values. They're not even as good as yesterday's liberals. So we're here in a time you say, but Brother Tim, we're, 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 we're all around. I, I asked my barber the other day, I, he was talking about the world condition. I said, I wonder how we got in the condition we are. I just wanted to hear from him. He said, well, it's the schools, Brother Tim. They put liberals in the colleges. They put liberals there in the classrooms. And they took and they, and they have brainwashed our kids. This man don't even go to church. But he's got enough righteousness about him from some righteous parents before him. A man in his 80s and he's cutting my hair and he said, he said, they put liberals everywhere. And he said, they, they, they're, they're brainwashing our kids and they brainwash a whole society and they got it on the television everywhere, everywhere you look. Every advertisement. Everything, you know, pushing their agenda, trying to change your mind. Amen. And we're in danger. Are you with me? We're in danger of being destroyed. Amen. We are in danger in America of of real truth Christianity being wiped out, of being a persecuted group. We're there. Amen. I'll tell you what, we're there. We're in danger of it. We're right on the cusp of it. We're right on the edge of the tribulation. We're right on the edge of the marking of the beast. We're already seeing tribulation, pre-tribulation plagues coming to our, our lives that hope changes and uproot and, and, uh, and, and um, roots up our whole world. The world that we know today isn't even the same as it was a year ago in 2019. Amen. We are changed people. Our whole nation has changed. Our principles are changed. There are things that are happening that you're looking and you say, it's insanity. It's insanity. It's insanity. And it's coming up for our kids. It's coming for our families. It's attacking our homes. Somebody help me preach. Amen. But I tell you, it's in that moment that there is a people, a mature people, who have been called out of Egypt, who have been commissioned to use the word given to them and speak. Hallelujah. It's time, brother, that we go right through the waters of separation between mortal and immortality and move into the realms beyond. That rod is the name of Jesus. Did you hear me? Lift up that name of Jesus. Amen. What was in Moses' hand is Jesus' name in the church's hand today. Amen. That's the truth. And and if the Egyptians could have ever got that rod out of his hand. Oh, listen, don't, don't walk over that name. Don't use it. Don't use it in vain. Amen. When you speak it, speak it with sincerity. Amen. When you pray, pray in that name. Whatever you do and word and deed, do in that name. But speak and lift up that rod. Amen. Amen. We, we've got the banner of the name of Jesus. 
Amen. When you take that name of Jesus, come on, somebody. Amen. Devils will scatter like roaches on the floor when the lights turned on. Brother, I'll tell you, enemies will vanish before the name of Jesus. For in the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow and every tongue has to confess that he's Lord. Oh, the old song we used to sing, when sickness rounds you gather, breathe that holy name in prayer. Amen. Why? It is God's representative of judgment. Come on. Amen. He was holding the judgment rod out. Is that right? That's the name of Jesus. And it's God's representative of judgment against sin. Come on, against the gods of Egypt. Amen. Against the Nile. It was used in every way. Come on. It was used even bring water out of the rock. That name of Jesus will bring water out of a dry place. It will feed a thirsty soul that's in the midst of a desert. That name of Jesus will open the way where there is no way. Hallelujah. Amen. But it represents judgment where Christ was judged in your place. So when I pray in the name of Jesus, I can pray on the authority of where the judgment was placed on him. That's why devils has to go. Amen. That's why sickness has to move. Amen. Prayer in the name of Jesus, lifting up that rod. Now, verse 19, and the angel of God, notice, speaking the name, lifting the rod, caused the pillar of fire to move. And the angel of God went before the camp of Israel and removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it became between, notice this, between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud of darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that one came not near the other all night. Listen, lifting up the name of Jesus brought the pillar of fire, come on, around and placed it between them and their enemy. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, it made a light to Israel and darkness to Pharaoh. It kept them apart. It was their go-between. Oh, I'm glad today there's a go-between. Amen. In sickness between life and death, he's our go-between. Amen. He's the one that takes death in one hand, life in the other. He's that link that connects man to God, the go-between. And he came down to, as a go-between and made a light on one side, darkness on the other side, to hold Pharaoh back. Come on. Listen, Pharaoh, listen, all your armies of hell. Amen. The very darkness. Amen. Is holding you back where there is a light that is guiding us forward. Hallelujah. And one day that light's coming for us. Hallelujah, lead us between, over the great divide, into the realms of immortality. He came down as a go-between 
The angel of God is in the church right now, giving the, the light to the church to walk on in darkness to those who reject it. That's exactly right. Oh, my. You see, how can you see when you walk in darkness? You can't see. You don't know where you're going. But you're, if you're in the light and Christ is the light, he's given the light to the believers while he's given darkness to the unbelievers. And he's showing a path, a way of escape to the believer and darkness and a stumbling to the unbeliever. No wonder Paul would say, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 21, and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by the east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. Oh, one of the writers said that God was in that pillar of fire, and he looked down to that with the angry eyes. And when he did, the Red Sea got scared and moved, began to move back. And Israel began to move through on dry land. Can you imagine this? God did what? He actually looked through that pillar of fire. And as he looked down through that pillar of fire, the sea got scared and began to roll back. Amen. Now, let me tell you, friends, we're at another crossing. Yes, we are. Yes. Amen. We, we are, we are, we're at another crossing of the Red Sea that this first crossing with Moses only was typing. That's right. Amen. There's another separation coming oh, yeah. when we will leave mortality and embrace immortality. The clothes of our humanity will leave behind as we cross the borderline between time and eternity. And when we do, there's going to be a separation. Oh, yeah. There'll be a separation from the impersonators. The lukewarm church members among us. Oh, yeah. That bunch that wants to defend their formal ways. One of these days, you're going to try to follow that Holy Ghost band, and your wheels are going to come off. Amen. You'll be stuck in the mud there, the very mud of your own ways, your own stubbornness, your own refusal to move on with God. Amen. You might have been a backslidden church member or a grandchild of the message, following along half-heartedly. Oh, yeah, there's too many of those. And you how you follow along? Because it's what you know. Amen. But those movies and the video games, and the worldliness and the besetting sins will bog you down and you'll sink down in that mud. You'll be stuck to the things you wouldn't surrender. Amen. But this time, it ain't going to be a mixed multitude that makes it through. The Bible said there were 10 virgins, five were wise, five were foolish. Is that right? You got to get oil in your lap and trim it up. Amen. Where your lamps are bright and clear. Amen. Get all of the smut off of you. The world off of you. Come on, church. Amen. But they're, they're going to go. The Bible said they'll wind up where weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth because they failed to have oil with their lamps. Amen. They were church members that were gathered right along. They were virgins like the rest. 
Amen. But they failed to get the oil. It's time to check your lamps. Amen. It's time to see your fires burning. It's time to cut the carbon off of the wick. Amen. To bring it up a little higher. Amen. Let the light shine brighter. Get the smut off the globe. Amen. This is the hour of the going home. And you can't be a foolish virgin in this hour. You've got to be a wise virgin. And a wise virgin gets the Holy Ghost. Exodus 14, 22. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground. And there the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea. Even all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, the Lord looked. Oh my. He looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud. And he troubled the Egyptians. Oh yeah. And he took off their chariot whip. And he drave them heavenly. So that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel. For what? The Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. We would have died but the Lord. Come on, church. We would have been taken captive but the Lord. Amen. There's somebody that's fighting on our behalf. You're not in this alone, little children. Hallelujah. He looks down through his pillow of fire and he sees the enemy among you. said when trouble begins to face you sickness on every hand the angel of the Lord of God comes up and goes between you and sickness and stands there challenging you to take God's word notice what it does the angel of God stands and goes between you and the enemy and then challenges you you know what he did to Moses why cry use what I gave you Speak it. Go forward. Move on. Don't let nothing stop you. You were told you were going to the promised land. Then what's the Red Sea in your way? It's got to move. Amen. God gave Israel the promise they were going to the land. Maybe there was a million Egyptian or more coming, pursuing them. But the angel of the Lord who was there to carry them to the promised land rose up in the camp. And stood between them in danger. I say hallelujah. He still does it. He'll still make the way. Don't you love him for that this morning? Amen. He'll make a way for every sick person. Amen. He'll make a way for you that are in sin. No matter what you've been dealing with. He's already been made the way. And he'll stand between you and your trouble. Hallelujah. Sister, Rachel, the Lord will be your lawyer. Amen. Whatever your need is, he'll be for you. He'll be your realtor. He'll provide for you. Amen. He's God that does the best. He makes the way where there seems to be no way. 
He's a God, a God who understands us, a God who knows our frailty. And he said, quit crying. Use what I've given you and advance. Hallelujah. Stand right there between you and trouble. Amen. Just what he did then, he is now and will always be the same. The angel of God moving up to stand between us in sickness, stand between us in death. Hallelujah. Amen. You remember that, Sister Jeannie. You walked up to Brother Branham that day and standing between you and Brother Branham, you walked right into a presence. And that presence stood between you and darkness. Come on, church. Challenging you to believe. Amen. 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 It, it does the same thing. It, it, it challenges you to believe. Take God in his word. God said this. Believe it. Amen. Believe his prophets. You'll prosper. Amen. Surely standing there, the angel of God went before the camp of Israel, removed and wouldn't stood between them and the enemy. And the angel of God is standing between every individual here and the enemy. I know what I'm speaking of. I know I'm standing here on the platform, this little group of people. I know that God has condescended, coming from glory, standing in this building now. If you only dare to move out on God's word and see if he won't move before you now. And it came between the camp and the Egyptian. He's coming between you and your sickness. He's standing between you and your sins right now. Why? We are in the exodus of the church. Amen. Amen. Now, so Brother Branham deals with this, and, and he says, he said, when the enemy was right there over him, coming so close, the supernatural pillar of fire raised up from over Israel, come over here and stood between them and death. Now, to every believer, oh, listen to this. To every believer, born again, child of God, when death comes stealing to the door prematurely, the angel of God stands between you and the sickness. Now, if you want to run right on to it, that's your business, but you don't have to. He's standing between you and death, challenging you to take God's word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Gary, you remember that day in that hospital when demons had been surrounding you and scaring you and bringing fear, all of that going on. We stood there and saw the Holy Spirit come down and stand between him and those howling devils. Amen. Devils had to go because God was looking down through the pillar of fire. Hallelujah, the anointing of the Spirit of God came down and he left from that hospital and God made him a well man. He's here in the service today to the glory of God. Amen. He'll still do it now. Amen. You say, well, what's prematurity? Prematurely, Brother Tim, I'm 82, I'm 83, I'm 80 this. I'll tell you what, it's premature if God wants you to stay here. Long as I'm walking in the will of God, if I'm 93, I still expect God to be my healer. For the pillar of fire to stand between me and death. Come on. Amen. Verse 26. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch over thy hand over the sea. Hold that rod now. Hold it steady. Keep that name of Jesus before you. Don't back away from the promise. 
Don't start fearing now. Don't look over your shoulder and see where the Egyptians are and how close they advance it. Look to the promise. Stretch that hand. Lift up that name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And that the waters may come down upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength. When the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, now who's fleeing? Now who's pursuing? Now who's chasing who? The Egyptians were pursuing them. But now, come on, tables have turned. God is pursuing them. Hallelujah. The waves are coming over them. Amen. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Hallelujah. And when the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen and the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not so much as one of them, but the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were walled unto them on the right side, hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore, and Israel saw the great work which the Lord did to the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Now, Brother Branham teaches us that this is a type of the blood, sanctifying power of God, killing sin nature. Sin behind you, the taskmasters, the cigarettes, the whiskey, the roadhouses, the picture shows, everything that bothered you back there and hindered you in your Christian experience died in the blood of Jesus. That's what Buddy Robinson found. He didn't need the pistol anymore. He had the Lord as a guard and protector. Threw it over in a ravine. Come on. Amen. He didn't need a deck of cards anymore. That old thing that weighed like a bale of cotton burned with fire. Amen. Why? He had went through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The red blood of Jesus Christ drowned every cigarette, every tobacco. Amen. The filth of the world was drowned like them taskmasters back there, and they were floating in the sea. Oh, it's no wonder that a man like Buddy danced and shouted. Amen. It'll happen to you. Amen. It'll happen to you and to you and to you. You come in the presence of God and your sins are gone and your taskmasters are dead. Amen. It'll put a spring in your step too. It'll put a shout in your life. It'll make joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what it'll do. Hallelujah. Amen. As I said, the devil will get our kids to look at porn, then condemn until they hate themselves. They'll feel so dirty, they'll cut themselves and want to commit suicide. He's a wicked and a hard taskmaster. Amen. But I'll tell you what Moses did. Moses got on the other side, and he began to sing in the Spirit. He raised his hand to God and sang in the Spirit, and Miriam got a tambourine and began to dance and shout and jump up and down and praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And all the taskmasters, they looked and saw they were dead in the sea. Amen. Amen. They looked back and said, hey, that thing will never bother me again. Yes. I burnt my bridges. Yes. You know, that's the problem. People 
like an old girlfriend one of my brothers had one time. She wanted, you know, wanted to catch his eye, so she, uh, she put all her makeup, and she put all her pants, and she put all her records, and she put them all in a nice plastic bag, and she went and dug a hole, and she buried them. I got rid of them. I laid it all down. I, I'm, I, I cleaned my life up. You know, now I can have this boy. When she didn't get the boy, she went back and dug up her pants and her records and her makeup and everything else. You see, you, you can't do that. You got to burn your bridges. Amen. The sins I used to do, I do them no more. I'll not serve that devil another day. Come on, I'll not be a slave to him another day. My enemy is dead. And when you can see he's dead by the blood of Jesus Christ, then he has no more power over your life. You have power down over him. Amen, that'll make you dance, that'll make you shout. And he might make you climb a pole like Buddy Robinson to shout the glories of God. Amen. Amen. Look, Moses was a type of this. And he could see what, the, what had been done now. Now, Brother Branham talked about this, and he said, this was Pentecost. He said, this was a Pentecostal experience. They were the chosen people of God. They had the Spirit among them. And he said, when, when Moses had, had crossed the Red Sea and found behind him the Red Sea of the blood, representing the blood, and all the taskmasters he ever beat him, and all the children of Israel... He raised his hand and sang in the spirit. Oh, every one of us can be a Moses. Hallelujah. Said every one of us can be a Moses. When we look back in the red blood of the Lord Jesus and see every drunk, every old bottle, every old vulgar woman, or every old dirty man, or every old dirty thing we ever done in our life, all dead in the blood of the Lord Jesus, it'll make you sing in the spirit. Hallelujah, cigarettes, tobacco, bad habit, everything gone and dead in the blood of the Lord Jesus. And then we can raise our hands and sing in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Brother Brandon said that was real Pentecost. Now you want to talk about being a book of Acts church? Start there. Hallelujah. Oh, you lukewarm message believers today, you come out of Egypt. But why is it that that taskmaster still owns you? How come you can't keep out of porn? Can't, can't keep your head out of movies? Still going to picture shows, or worse than that, have it in your house. Why is it your wives and daughters are still slaves to makeup? You know, how come you still have that uncontrollable temper? Why is it your marriages are not sanctified and there is verbal and mental and physical abuse? How come, is, how come is it your kids don't want your religion? How come there's no love in your home? Why is it your heart is so hard you can't tell your wife and your kids that you love them and show it? You know, even the father said to Jesus, this is a son I love. This is my beloved son. And when the spirit of Christ comes into life, it'll make you love everybody. That's what Buddy Robinson was trying to say. He saw us and everything looked different. And men and women looked like angels. The heavens were on fire with the glory of God. I began to shout because he now looked through a sanctified eye. Why is it you look for fault in the church? 
Is it just to justify your own meanness and your own sins? Amen. Why is it if you go home and tell your kids, well, they're just working up these people. You know, you don't have to shout and scream and jump like that. And You know, the Baptist way of getting it is a lot better. You know, just accept the message, say, I believe it, and you got the Holy Ghost. Well, that ain't the way that God's prophet described the new birth. He didn't believe in a new birth that was a dry-eyed confession. He, believed, he did not believe in easy believism. The Billy Graham altar calls were not William Branham's way of doing. Amen. He taught that the new birth was a mess. Amen. He said this in the deceived church by the world. Now we know all about that birth. I don't care where it is or whereabouts. It's a mess. If it's a baby born on a shut pile on a hard floor, a pink decorated hospital room, it's a mess anyhow. A birth of a calf, a birth of anything else is a mess. And the new birth is nothing less than a mess. But people are so starchy. Well, we'll go over there where they shake hands. We'll go where they don't bawl and cry and beat on the altar and cry out. We want to be too human. What we need is a birth. A dying out to bring forth life. Amen. Amen. An old seed, an old potato, seed potato, you take that potato, put it in the ground. Until you can have new potatoes, that old potato has to rot. A corn cannot produce new life until it's rotten. And a man or woman will never have a new birth until their intellectuals and their own self is dead. Die out in the altar and scream and get all messed up to the place the starch gets out of your collar and you've been born again by the Spirit of God. I don't care if you squall, speak in tongues, jump up and down, flop like a chicken with his head off. You're bringing forth new lives. But we substituted something for it. We wanted the classical way. Oh, Brother Tim, but that was before the seals. And now, you don't want me quoting what he said after the zeal deal. By the way, he used the same illustration all the way in 1965 in Broken Cisterns. But what about 1965? What, what about when I was a little boy, when I sat in that tabernacle? You know, I looked out at these new handrails that we got put up over here at our pavilion there, going up those little steps. And I thought about the kids and you know how we had to make them sturdy? Because little kids would get up and slide up and down on them. You know, we couldn't make them wobbly. You know, uh, some of us, our steps ain't quite as spry as they used to be. And we need something steady to walk on. And so I, I, I thought about Brother James Mitchell and Brother Darrell and, and, and all, all the brothers, all, all of them. Wonder, some, of, some of the best people in the world. And they, they, they didn't just make a halfway job. They, I mean, they made it match everything on the building, everything. Beautiful job. But I thought about that. I said, I remember being at Life Tabernacle myself. And this little boy sliding down those arm rails that's come out of that building. I was a kid once myself. So I kind of know what kids do. But you see, you know, I, I was there when Brother Brandon preached Invisible Union. I was there when he preached the, uh, on the wings of a snow white dove. I was there when he said, I want an old-fashioned altar call. That's why I still believe in altar calls. I was there. You can't take it from me. I was there. Amen. But anyway, when he told us about an invisible union, 
Well, Brother Jim, an invisible union, it, it takes place in the quiet and, you know, it takes place and no noise and it's all quiet and, you know, in the cover of everything. That's a, what the invisible union, you know, no excitement, no whatever. <laughs> and I say, whatever. <laughs> but Brother Bradham said, and if a woman want to have a baby for a husband, she'll take a dog or a cat or something. She's got a mother something. It's a nature, but to bear a child for a husband and raise it to the service of God, that's entirely out of her line. She said, oh, she would be disgraced if she did by our sin-loving society of this 1965 type of women. A true picture of the modern church today, neither does the modern church want any of these here screaming, shouting, tongue-speaking, Acts 238 youngins around her. Now, I'm just going to tell you, maybe an invisible union happens in the quiet, but this is the results. Amen. Oh, he said here, screaming, shouting, tongues speaking, Acts 2, 38 youngins around her. Yeah, yeah, she don't want any of them whooping, crying, screaming. Amen. Hallelujah. Why, such a child would immediately put her out of her denomination. They had one like quick... Uh, that in the churches, why they throw her out right quick. Why are you letting such stuff go on as that? It's a sad thing that we're now, we're now having to quote that, the message churches. See, she's pregnant with something because she's bringing forth members all the time. But she don't want none of them screaming, hollering, blabbering, Acts 238 miserable creatures she thinks they are. It would certainly embarrass her. It would ruin her educated, ethical, scientific society church that she belonged to here. They would throw her out at the next council. She can't have it. So she don't want to be pregnant with the word because that's the only kind the word will bring forth. Born of the Spirit. It has the Spirit of God in it. No intellectual church joy and creed going, bobbed hair, painted faces. No such stuff as that at all in it. You don't find that in the Word of God. You find an old-fashioned, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled child born of the Spirit of God, screaming, hollering, shouting, praising God. Something like a Methodist meeting to me. Amen. I wish, I wish some of these churches would at least be Methodist in their worship. Like old Betty Robinson. Come on, church. Amen. You say, I just want to say to you today, have you had your Pentecost where you got the victory over the works of the flesh? You've got to come through the Red Sea of the blood where sin dies and the taskmasters of lust and pride and greed. Amen. They all die. And you sing a new song. Hallelujah. Listen, the Bible said when the seals were open, they sang a new song. I'll tell you, then that should be our experience like Moses had. When he looked and he saw the taskmasters are dead. The army is gone. The enemy is vanquished. We're more than an overcomer. Hallelujah. Amen. Then what did he do? He wrote a new song. He began to sing a new song. They wasn't singing songs of their slavery. They were singing songs of their victory. Hallelujah. And that's what I want to know. Have you had your Pentecost? Where you got the victory over the works of the flesh? 
you got to come to the Red Sea of the blood where sin dies, where the taskmasters are dead. Let's look, let's look at Exodus 15, verse 1. Amen. We got just a few more minutes. We're going to hang on for a minute. Exodus 15 and verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Amen. Oh, my. This is their song. They're singing a song of victory. My old enemy is dead. My sins are gone. They're underneath the blood. They're dead in the Red Sea. Amen. The Lord has triumphed gloriously. He triumphed over my habits. He triumphed over my ambition, my pride, my temper, my works of the flesh. Come on. He triumphed. You gotta have a victory. You gotta have a victory in your life. You gotta come to this Pentecostal experience where you have and go to the Red Sea where your enemy is dead. The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare for Him a habitation. Oh, when it comes down, when you sing this new song, you'll say, he is my salvation. Amen. He is my God. Amen. My God is no more a hero out here in sports. My God is no more a hero out here in politics. They are not my heroes. Come on, somebody. It ain't Hollywood. It ain't the cheerleaders at school. Amen. But my God, amen, my God is victorious. He is, he is my salvation. I will prepare for him a place to live. I'll let him come into my heart. I will become the temple of the Holy Ghost. Me and God will become inseparable. Amen. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. My Father's God. Oh, brother, that speaks volumes. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Elijah, the God of Daniel, the God who is the I am that I am, the God of William Branham, the God of Buddy Robinson. Amen. He's my God. Amen. I'll prepare him an habitation for my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. Hallelujah. Do you know this God? Amen. He's a man of war. The Lord Jehovah is his name. Glory to God. Amen. And even he magnified the name of Jehovah when he became the Savior. Amen. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains were also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They They sank to the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, has dashed in pieces the enemy. Don't you know what happened? That right hand became flesh. And it dwelt among us. It cast out devils. It healed the sick. It healed the lame, the deaf, and the blind. It triumphed over every sin. Come on, it went down to hell and conquered death, hell, and the grave. He dashed to pieces every sickness known to man. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I'm talking about our Lord, the right hand, has dashed the enemy to pieces. Your enemy has been dashed to pieces. No matter what its name is, if it's cancer, it's dashed to pieces. If it's alopecia, it's dashed to pieces. Whatever it is, if it's lust, if it's pride, it's dashed to pieces. Our Lord is a triumphant God. I say hallelujah. Oh man, he is dashed to pieces. Every enemy. He defeated it in hell. He rose up over the grave. He ascended on high. He made a way into heaven for me and you. Thy right hand, O oh Lord, has become glorious in power. And in the greatness of thy excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sendest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together, and the floods stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, and I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust, that old lustful devil, shall be satisfied upon them. I'll draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. But that was their famous last word. Not today, Satan. This is God's moment. He's looking down through the pillar of fire. Amen. He's judging the enemy for what he is. He's calling sin, sin, and wrong, wrong, and right, right. All you have to do is look at the glass battle that's going to take place. Amen. Before we go up, you know, Revelation 12 shows the bride goes on up while Satan is cast down. We are the cause of Satan's fall. Hallelujah. Did you hear what I said? We are the cause of Satan's fall. Amen. We have been brought to this age, to this time, for a reason, for a purpose. Thou, my God, didst blow with thy wind. The seas covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretches out thy right hand. The earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength. Unto thy holy habitation, the people shall fear and be afraid, and sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestine. Amen. In other words, demons will begin to tremble. We have heard. We have heard that an evening like tabernacle, that a drunk came down the altar and got delivered, gloriously delivered. We have heard. We have heard about young people who were bound in sin and suicide spirits was going to destroy them. But we have heard, we have heard what happens to devils in evening like tabernacle. There's believers down there and they cast them out because they are under a commission. 
The dukes of Eden shall, shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab trembling shall take a hold of them. The inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be as lifeless or still as stone. Till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over, which thou hast purchased. Isn't this true? Isn't this what happened to them? Didn't Rahab tell them, the men, I know the Lord has given you the land and your terror has fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land are already faint because of you. As you are advancing, devils are fainting. As you are conquering, amen, the enemies are already quaking in their shoes. The next devil that you're about to face is already running scared. He's got his back on toward you. Amen, he's running the opposite way. Amen. My, my, my. My, my, my. Look at verse 17. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them. Oh, I love this. Plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance. You're going to bring them right in. You're going to put them right in a rapture. You're going to take them right into the promised land. Amen. To the marriage supper of the Lamb. In the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands has established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. I've got some good news for you. Not only are we going to defeat the devil and cast him out of heaven on our way up, but on our way down. We're coming by behind the one who is king of kings and lord of lords. His name is called the word of God. And behind him an army follows. And we're coming to take this old world back over again. Hallelujah. Satan, you may have your heyday for a little while, but I'll tell you, your time is up. You only got a short time. You're angry. You're mad. But I tell you, we're coming back to take it over again. Oh, our Lord is coming back to earth again. Amen. Oh, Lord, thou hast made for thee to dwell in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have prepared. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of the Pharaoh went in with the chariots, with his horsemen in the sea, and brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And Miriam, the prophetess. Oh, hallelujah. Come on now. Looked like they had gifts of the Spirit among them. Amen. Amen. The sister of Aaron took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out with her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing unto the, ye to the Lord, for he had triumphed glorious, and the, the horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Yeah. Amen. Now, you say, well, Brother Tim, I just don't know about all this dancing and shouting and running. I really don't think you have to do that. Well, of course you don't. Nobody has to do that. To be forced out to do that would be Babylon. Amen. But I tell you, if you see your enemies dead, I don't know what you'll do. You might climb a pole like Buddy Robinson. In your jubilation, you might run around the building like Sister Lana did. Because she saw she was leaning on the everlasting arms and that her enemy was dead. Amen. That put a death in her step. That caused her to rejoice. Amen. I doubt. I sincerely doubt you'll say, well, 
That was really nice, wasn't it? I'll tell you what, you might speak in tongues like they did on the day of Pentecost. When they saw their enemy dead and they got filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. Brother Brandon said that angels are encamped about. Everything is ordered. Every wall can be took down. It's already took down. The sun of God goes before us. His banners are waving. There's nothing can stand in the way of a saint going to meet a promise of God. Oh, I like that. Death can't stop it. The grave can't stop it. The devil can't stop it. We're more than conquerors. Sickness is conquered for you. Friends, death is conquered for you. Unbeliever, once you receive him, habits have been conquered for you. Temptation's been conquered. You say, I, I've got a temper. I can't get over it. It's conquered. He's already conquered the great final seed of Abraham. There's no more conquering to do now. He has conquered it for us. That means all we have to do is follow him in the battle. For the battle is the Lord, and the Lord is a mighty warrior. Amen. Brother Branham told us over again, he said, that same angel of the Lord that was there is the same angel of the covenant, Jesus Christ, leading the church today. Going from victory to victory. Amen. Now, look, look at Israel going to the promised land. It was not just Egypt trying to bring them back. But there was Moab, a cousin to them, who wanted to stop them. There was Balak, the king of Moab, that hired Balaam to curse them. And he would have, except for the angel. Come on. Amen. Remember, he said, behold, I sent an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you. The angel can't fail. If the angel is here to bring us to the place that I have prepared, then he will not fail at his task. Beware of him. Obey his voice. Provoke him not. For he will will not pardon your transgression. In other words, he will not allow sin to go unpunished. For my name is in him. My name is in him. Can you imagine the name of the Lord in the angel of the Lord? The name of Jehovah was in this angel. That is to say, Jehovah revealed himself in him. And he's called in the Bible the face of Jehovah. Exodus 33, 14, my presence shall go with thee. That's literally my face will go with you. My presence, my personal presence, and I will give thee rest. And he said, if thy presence or thy face does not go with us, don't lead us up from here. Let us stay here. If you're not going with us, we don't want to go. Now, this angel of Jehovah was not a creative spirit, but it was the manifestation of Jehovah himself. And he went before them in a pillar of fire and a cloud, uh, you know, and a cloud to guide them, to defend them. And we know now that it was Christ that is the angel of Jehovah. This angel is frequently called Jehovah, Elohim, that's God. This is plainly taught in in Paul's gospel. Paul said, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. Amen, is that right? Don't let us tempt Christ as some of them also were tempted 
and were destroyed of the serpent. He called that angel Christ. Amen. He, he would rather suffer, suffer the, 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 the afflictions of the children of Israel and the reproach of Christ than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Who was that in the wilderness? It was Christ. Is that right? It was the pre-incarnate Logos who would become flesh in Jesus Christ. Not another God, the same God taking on human battles, fighting your battles, going through what you go through, facing temptations you face. Is that right? He couldn't do that as a pillar of fire. He did that as a man. Now, notice Isaiah 63 and 8 says, For he said, Surely they are my people, children who will not lie. In other words, the people who will be true to me. He said, They are my very own people. Surely they won't betray me. So he became their Savior. In all their affliction, he was affliction. In their distress, he was distressed. And the angel of his presence or his face saved them. And in his love and his pity, he redeemed them and bare them and carried them all the days of old. Hallelujah. Mine angel shall go before thee and bring you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. I will utterly destroy them. You're not to bow before their gods of Laodicea. You're not to serve them. You're not to do after their works. Thou shalt utterly overthrow them, that is, break down their images. Amen. I've sent you a message. So why is it you would rather listen and feed on the voices of Hollywood than the voice of God? I've sent you a message. Why can't you believe it and walk in it? I've vindicated it by an angel. My angel has went before you to prepare the way. You shall serve the Lord your God. He shall bless your bread and thy water, and I will take sickness from the way from in the midst of thee. We're talking about the God that's with us. I will take sickness away from thee. He blessed them with their provisions, their health, their fruitfulness, the length of life. For he said, There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in their land, and the number of thy days I will fulfill. And I will send my fear before thee and destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee which shall drive out the Hivites and the, and the Jebusite and the Hittite from before thee. Amen. And he goes on and said, by little and by little I'm going to do this. You'll advance, and I'll help you advance farther. I mean, you'll take a step, and I'll clear the way. I'm going, to, I'm going to do this until you are increased, and you inherit all the land. Hallelujah. You can look back at your life, and you can say, by little and by little, he has been with me. He helped me here. He made that step for me. He'll help me here. He'll take me all the way till I inherit the land. Every promise. Without the angel, Israel would have never made it to the promised land. He opened up the Red Sea that walked on dry land. He then turned and then utterly destroyed the Egyptian army. He provided word, the word on Mount Sinai. Come on. When God's voice was heard from the mountain. He provided water from the rock 
most unlikely place, but that rock was Christ. Amen. He provided manna as bread from heaven, and Jesus is that bread that came from God out of heaven. He provided protection from the curses of Balaam. He provided deliverance from the serpent's bite. Come on. He was that angel who protected Israel from from all the the enemy. He provided victory over the Amalekites. He then provided a passage on dry ground through the river Jordan during the flood stage. Amen. What was he showing? As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. Amen. He was the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Even Nebuchadnezzar, he said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him. And and it changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve or worship any god except their own god. Hallelujah. He was that angel, that pillar of fire in the lion's den with Daniel. Somebody help me preach now. Trying to bring this down to a close as we as we look at these things in the scripture. My God, Daniel said, has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth. Hallelujah. He was that fire in the midst. The animals backed away from that fire. Amen. He is the Holy Ghost that leads the church today. As Brother Branham said, that the legions and the powers and the backings of holy angels is in you was born into the deity of, of Christ by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Lord of God, you not only got angels all around you, you got the angel spirit of the Holy Ghost living on side of you, the Logos himself. Come on. I want you to know this morning, church, he is our refuge. Amen. The Bible said there is none like unto the God of Jeshurun. That's in Deuteronomy 33, 26. Jeshurun is the upright one. This is a symbolic name for Israel describing her ideal character. When God talks about you, he talks about you using his, your, the name Jeshurun, which is your ideal character. Amen. It means they're an upright one, a righteous one. There is none like the God of the righteous ones who rides upon the, upon the heavens in my health and his excellency upon the sky. The eternal God is my refuge. And underneath are this everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say, destroy them. Hallelujah. Amen. Aren't you glad we have that refuge? Amen. We're even more protected than they was because we're under not the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of Jesus Christ. Second Samuel 22, 2 said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my high tower and my refuge. He is my savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So I shall be saved from mine enemies. Amen. That don't sound like no quiet prayer to me. Amen. That don't sound like no Baptist, you know, formal way. Come on. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised so I will be saved from my enemies. Amen. He says the angel of the Lord appeared there to Gideon. And while he threshed weed and he says, and he says, you know, 
He said to him, thou mighty man of valor. He said, the Lord is with thee. He said, if God's with us, where are his miracles? That's what a lot of people ought to be asking. Gideon knew enough. If God was with us, the miracles would be there. If God is with you, where are his miracles? Amen. It was the angel of God then that would produce those miracles, that would fight in their battles. He would take 300 men against millions of Midianites. Amen. It was the angel of God that announced Samson's birth, gave him his great strength to deliver Israel. It was the angel that brought food and water to Elijah who was exhausted, laying under a juniper tree. Have you ever been there? Amen. He went on the strength of that food that the angel brought him, bread and water. He went on that strength of that food for 40 days. Amen. Amen. It was the angel of God that slew 185,000 men for Israel in the days of Hezekiah. God fought for them. And the Bible said in Psalms 36 and 4, 34 and 6, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusteth in him. Hallelujah. Amen. Psalms 35 and 1 said, Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of spear, shield, and buckler. Stand up for my help. Uh, draw, draw out also the spear and stop the way against them to persecute me. Say to my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and be put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that defies my hurt. Let them be as chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them and let their way as they're running be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. Hallelujah. It's time for the devil's persecution. It's time to come a bunch of devil tormentors on the earth who know their God, who do exploit. Amen. Who are there to make devils scream. Amen. I've heard them scream. I won't give up. I won't. I won't quit. I won't give up. I won't go out. They did. They did. They made their post, but they did. Amen. Because why? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Psalm 68, 17 said the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place that he ascended on high that thou hast led captivity captive that thou receive gifts from men. Yea, for the rebellious also and the Lord that the Lord might dwell among them. Oh, he said, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. For he shall give, oh, they said there shall be no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Amen. For he shall give angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. 
and they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, thou shalt trample under thy feet. Amen. Oh my, this is it. This is where we're at, church. Amen. It's a people whose God is the Lord. Amen. He's the angel of the covenant. He's the one who appeared to Zechariah and announced the promise coming. The promise coming of the forerunner. I'm talking about now our day. We had an angel that also announced the promise coming of the forerunner, didn't we? Amen. It was the angel that would appear to, to, to Mary and told her she would bring forth the Messiah. It was the angel who appeared to Joseph three times. Hello. Amen. First confirming the message given to Mary that it was true. Second, warning him to take the young child to Egypt. Third, to tell him to return back to Israel, fulfilling the scriptures again. For out of Israel thou hast called, I have called my son. It was shepherds abiding in the field, watching over their flock by night. That the angel of the Lord with the glory of the Lord shining upon them that brought the tiding of great news. I want you to understand this gospel was issued in by the announcement of angels. An angel said, come on, amen, an angel stood there and announced, amen, that of the tidings of great joy that a Savior who is Christ the Lord has been born in the city of David. The gospel that we believe, the message we believe was issued in and announced by an angel. Are you with me? Amen. And then after the angel's announcement, suddenly there was a, uh, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Amen. My goodness, if you don't, you don't, if you don't believe Jesus was God, the Bible said, the angel said, you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, but it's Christ the Lord. Amen. Is that right? He was prophesied to be God with us. That ought to quell all the question whether Jesus is God or not. Amen. He's God and with us. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. Bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. It was Jesus. Now listen. You think you're strong. Oh, I got the Holy Ghost. Oh, glory. Got the power of God. Well, I don't need an angel anymore. It was Jesus when he was tempted of the devil that angels came and strengthened him. Hallelujah. Let me tell you even more. It was angels who have watched over the elect ever since birth. Amen. Even before you were born. Matthew 10 tells us, or 18 10 says, Take heed, you despise not one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels, their angels, do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Amen. I want you to know Brother Branham didn't just have an angel that appeared to him. You got an angel. Amen. So when you were born, your angel watches over you. Amen. Beholding your Father's face, pleading, interceding on your behalf. Amen. I like to think of it as the word that was thought of you is watching over you. Amen. And you thought you walked out in front of that fiery car crash. And you walked out of that by yourself. 
No, sir, an angel was guarding over you. Amen. And so there was an angel that attended your birth that watches over you all of your life. And when you're born again, there are angels that rejoice in heaven because you got saved. And Jesus said, when you die, the angels will carry you to paradise into Abraham's bosom. Hallelujah. Angels all around you to keep you from harm. Amen. Angels all around you. Amen. What was it? It was angels. It was angels that rolled away the stone. Amen. You know, Jesus didn't roll away the stone. When he rose up over death, hell, and the grave, amen, an angel came and rolled away the stone. He'll roll away the hindrance in your life. He's there on your behalf this morning. He's been watching over you. He's guided you to this place. Come on, church. Amen. The Bible said the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and out the door, and then he sat upon it. And when the angel sat upon it, there wasn't no keeper that could come and pick it up and put it back. When an angel sats upon the hindrance of your life, come on, there ain't enough devils that can pick it up and put it back and seal you back in the tomb again. Come on. It was angels, two men in white apparel who said, when Jesus ascended, you, why, why do you stand gazing in the air? This same Jesus that you saw go away will come again in like manner. Amen. Oh my, the Bible said he'll come again with the angels of heaven. Come on, doesn't the Bible say that? Amen. And when they preached Jesus and performed signs and wonders and the high priest locked the apostles in prison, Amen. The angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought him forth and and told him, said, go speak these words. Don't fear. Go speak these words in the temple to the people of the words of life. It was the angel that that visited Philip, the evangelist, who was preaching a great revival down in Samaria. And the angel of the Lord spoke to him. Amen. Said, arise and go south. You know, to the, to the way from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is the desert. And he meets the Ethiopian. And then after baptizing, something happened to him. And he was caught up in the spirit and transferred. They found him miles away from there. Amen. We're not talking about fanaticism. We're talking about Bible doctrine. Amen. When Peter was locked up in prison by Herod, the angel of the Lord came upon him and the light shined in the prison. And out of that light stepped an angel and loosed him from his prison bonds. Opened up prison doors. He can do the same thing for you today. He's the God who unlocks doors. He said, when I open it, no man can shut it. And when I shut it, no man can open it. This is a God we serve. Are you with me? Amen. It was the angel of God that appeared to to Saul on the road to Damascus, struck him down off his high horse and said, and he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. I once was walking. Listen, amen. To make it plain, he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. That's Bible. Amen. I am Jesus of Nazareth. Acts 22, 8. Hey, who art thou, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth. I'm the man who walked on the shores of Galilee. I am the one. 
But now I've returned back to the form that I was in before I came flesh. I came from God. I went back to being God again. I took and became a man to bear the sin of man, but now I've returned back to being God again. And he said, I am Jesus. Amen. Oh, my, what a great thing. Amen. And they locked Peter up in prison. You remember that? We're just talking about it. They locked him up in prison. But I want you to know the angel wasn't through with just letting Peter go. Look with me to Acts 12, 21. Because there comes a time of payback to the devil. Herod had arrested him, put him with a quadrillion of soldiers, locked him up, locked him in the inner prison. And then right after this, this man who says, I'm going to kill Peter. On a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout saying, it's the voice of a God, not of a man. And immediately, the angel of the Lord smote him. Because he gave God, not God, the glory, and he was eating the worms and gave up the ghost. But let me tell you what happened with the word. And the word, the word of God grew and multiplied. Satan, you ain't going to stop it. You come and you try to hinder. You try to arrest the believers. You try to put them in jail. I'll get them in jail, but not only that, payback time. Payback time. You were going to kill him. You meant his death, but it's you, Herod. The angel of God smote you. Amen. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Hallelujah. Oh, the Bible said in Hebrews 12, 22, but you are come to Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly, heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. To so many angels you can't count. Hallelujah. Did you ever look in Revelation? In the book of Revelation where it talks about those 300,000 supernatural devils released from Euphrates. This word is the same as that word is. And the King James has put, you know, 300,000, you know, it's, it's, it's just an insurmountable number. Here he says, an innumerable man. So now you think, Brother Tim, there's so many devils now. There's more than ever. But you have come to Mount Zion. You are at the top of the mount, ready to take every power that Satan has away from him. You have come to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable number company of angels. There's more of us than there is of them. Come on, church. Amen. Isn't that what Elijah Elisha found out when he looked out there and said, boy, you know, you said we're surrounded, but there's more of us. We got more angels than they got men in their army. Isn't that what Pharaoh found out? There was more with God than what there was to all the Pharaoh's millions. There's more for you, little children, this morning 
Amen. Oh, my. This, this is a day, a wonderful hour that we're living. This is the day of the seventh seal where the silence has been broken. The mysteries are revealed for thunders, which are sealed, that was only sealed for a time. And this is the time where the sealing is over. Amen. Now is the time, the day that the voice of God is manifest. And let the angels of God strengthen you today. Amen. You who have been in battle. You, if you're sick and you're weary like Elijah, amen, eat the food that's been provided by the angel to give you strength for the journey. Listen, God hadn't left us without angel's food. He left tape loads of it. You got a Bible full of it. There's strength for the journey. It's angel's food. Amen. This Bible was a book delivered by angels. Man moved by the Holy Ghost, inspired by the Spirit of God. It's the book of angels. This message is a message from an angel. Amen. What we believe is a New Testament doctrine. Amen. We are following the angel. No matter what's around you and how weary you are, the angels are watching over you. No matter if it seems night, if it seems that bright, if it seems whatever, if you've been lost in sin, angels are watching over you. Ready to rejoice the moment you repent. Angels guarding over you. You're not alone. An innumerable. You can't count them all. One angel would have been all that Jesus would have needed. But he said, I could call 80,000 of them, 12 legions of angels, and in a moment they would come to me. That's what he could do as the Son of God. And then you think the devil's come along and says, your cry means nothing to the master? It's stirring the angels. Brother Branham talked about the commotion in heaven when the angels looked down and said, have you been watching what's on earth, God? There's some of your children, three of them stood for you down there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They've stood for you and they're fixing to die. Let me go down. I'll destroy them. No, no. I'm not going to let you go down. He talks about another wormwood. I'm the, I'm the angel over the waters. I can, just, I can just send a flood right now and just flood out and put the fire out. No, no. You're a great angel, but it's not your job. It's my job. He said he reached up and he got him a bolt of lightning. You know, Brother Branham in his figurative way. He swung down off of that onto a cloud for chariots. Rode down there with his majestic, majestic garments flapping in the wind. And there in the nick of time, he stood there. It wasn't too late. He appears right in the fiery furnace. He's with you in your trial. I will never leave you fighting alone. Angels watching over you. Before you were born, when you were born, 
when you were born again, when you die. Some foolish man said one time, where was that angel when William Branham there? Where was that angel when, when, when William Branham had, was in that car wreck and died? I said, he was there. Took him from this dimension right into another. That's like asking, where was that angel when John the Baptist's head got cut off? He was right there. The angel that announced his birth was there to take him across the river. He'll be right here for you. You're not fighting alone. The God you serve is a man of war. And when he sees his children tormented, it makes him angry. I've heard the cry of the taskmasters, and I have come down to deliver. Let the musicians come. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. You're not going to have to whip the devil by yourself. He's too big for you. There's too many of them. But I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Take a little more of that lamb. Eat some more of that lamb for the journey. Take another, another bite of that angel's bread. Let it fill your being till you have overcoming power on the inside. Just strength to meet the, the enemy. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, Brother Tim. I'm, I'm strong in the Lord, and I've got the power of Christ in me. And so did Jesus. But when he met the devil, he needs strengthening. Oh, if you're weary this morning... Won't you let him strengthen you? Won't you let the angels of God just come around you right now? And breathe life into you. Strength into you. Joy. Peace. Will you bow your heads just a moment? I've been a long life's journey, Brother Tim. And it's been so hard. I get so confused. I hear them say, oh, pray this way or do this that way or jump and shout. Listen, you don't jump to get it. You jump because you got it. That's a mistake so many people make. They think they can get, reach up and get the emotion. And they get emotional, but they don't get Jesus. Get Jesus first. It'll make you want to shout. It'll make you rejoice. It'll make you so in love with God. It'll make you realize I'm a son of the Most High God. And my God is a man of war. He's interested in your case. Let Jesus take your case this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, for every heart, for every life, those that you're stirring right now. Let them see, Lord, the angels are all around us. 
Let them see that you've never left us or forsake us. That you're here to strengthen us in the journey. You have to encourage us. Lord, it's that, like that day you dropped down in that hospital room and brought healing to a sick one. It was your angel. The angel of your presence. The angel of your face. Come today, Lord. Come to our hearts, Lord. I pray, Lord, for little struggling churches everywhere. Lord, may they come to a point like they're like Israel, where they get the shout of the king in amongst them. Because they got a smitten rock. They have the blood of the lamb. And the king, they know is among them. Speak, our Lord. Speak to hearts and lives. And I pray, Lord, today, like always, give us a fresh up-to-date experience. Get us so in love with Jesus to the things of this world just go strangely dim. In Jesus' name, amen. We are standing on holy ground. Don't you know where you're standing? And I know that there are angels that are interested in your case. Hallelujah. Let us praise. Let us praise. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We are sad.